Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Grote and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. I think you're going to love the topic today. We're going to talk about some general principles that actually fit for a lot of the conflicts, emotions, troubles that you're going to have in your life. And it helps you to understand kind of why you're having these emotions what they mean, maybe how to overcome them. But just knowing the root of some of your struggles, I think will help you particularly get through a transition if you have been in performance-based religion. What do you think, Joel? Yeah, absolutely. And so what we're kind of titling this podcast, and maybe more than one, we'll see how much we get through, is... Um, what do I do when I'm drawn to, for example, the LDS religion or to performance-based religion? Or what if I'm being drawn back? Because something that I've run into, Lynn, with our support groups and people I've talked to is very often, once, even once a person leaves, once they've discovered that it's false, it's not spiritually healthy for them, it's not good, um, there comes a time and a place where, man, they feel drawn back. And even though their head may be telling them it's not a good idea. Their heart is still drawn to that. And you've even said, you know, of people who, even though they may know a performance religion that they're, that they know about isn't good, they still feel themselves drawn to it. And that, I find that fascinating. You are bringing so many people to mind. Let me tell you, just recently, I talked to a woman in the military, grew up Christian, and she said she was a strong Christian, loved Jesus, had an abusive husband, ended up getting divorced, and she's living in Arizona in a Mormon family, invites her to come live with them, with her daughter, and she knows Mormonism is absolutely crazy, even crazy because she's African-American, and she knows that the Book of Mormon says dark skin is a curse. (laughs) And yet these people have been so good to her. And part of living there, of course, is you need to go to church with them. And so then they're taking her to to, um, young women's camp. And she's struggling in tears with me going, I know in my head, but in my heart, I just don't know how to walk away. So many stories. She's just one of many, Joel. Yes. And so what, and so I've done a lot of thinking because in our support, we actually had somebody who reached out and said, okay, people, I need some help here. I know this isn't good. I know it's not right, but I'm feeling drawn back. You know, what is it? What is this about? And you and I have both done a fair amount of study in relationships and conflict and what draws our heart, what draws our heads. And so, um, So I ended up actually just putting together some talking points and some notes, did a Facebook Uh live for the group. Um, But 
really what it, what it came down to for me is that very often it's the brokenness of life, which we all experience because life is broken. Life doesn't work. It's a fallen world, but that will trigger feelings of hurt, um, of abandonment, of loneliness, and nobody likes to feel that way. And we and all do. Those trigger the secondary emotion of anger a lot of times, right? A lot of times yes. we have that anger and we don't know, we don't know what the root of that is. But these kind of things can be the root even of that kind of anger. You're feeling like there's no place for you. Nobody's helping you through this, right? Right. Um, and and often as Mormons are transitioning to biblical faith, they'll say to me, oh, Christians don't gather around me like the Mormons used to, right? And uh, we need to talk about that because there are a number of reasons why Christians tend to be a little more independent than I right. think uh, people who came from Mormonism. And, and in these sorts of situations, people are often baffled by their anger because we go so quickly to anger because it's it's secondary. And since you don't like the feeling of abandonment or you don't like the feeling of loneliness, rather than stay there and feel that and try to resolve it, it's easier just to become angry because that gives you a sense of power, a sense of control. Um, well, and, it's just, well, and then you can blame it on someone else, right? right, right. It's their issue. They didn't yes. do, they didn't step up. They didn't provide for me. Yeah. Right. So the, what I've found often happens, and it happens with not just people in performance-based religion, it happens with anybody who struggles with these things. We then will gravitate toward something that will ease that pain, that loneliness, that sense of abandonment, whatever it is. And what anything that's brought us even temporary relief in the past will be drawn back to that. And performance-based religions are masterful at providing at least temporary or superficial solutions mm. to these because they're great at building community acceptance, uh, at feeling like you're part of a group, there's insider language. So you kind of feel like you're part of this exclusive club, this in-group. Mm -hmm. And then when you step away from that, even when it's for good reasons, wow, you can start to miss that when some of these things show up again. And the, and the Mormon culture is very good at telling you, uh, oh, God brought you here. You know, I, I knocked on your door because I prayed and God led me here. And so I actually yes. talked to a Christian from Southern California last night, and she's been talking to the missionaries online. And she said they keep telling her she's special. She's special and God picked her out of the crowd and here she is a Christian. She thinks she wants to witness to them, but she's really buying into that. She said, you know, it just really feeds me. Right. So yeah, I don't think wow. people even recognize that that's a pride thing and that people just smile and jump right into it. it it's as if we need it. We think right. we need it so much, that acceptance, that um, puffing us up, you know. Right. And there's a, there's a balance to that because we are created yeah. for a relationship. We are created for a community. Yeah. But it's a community of mutual giving. It's not in any community that's built on manipulation, that's built on kind of that 
artificial pride puffing up, needing to make people feel good about themselves, that ultimately is not a healthy way to live, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your religion, you know, whatever it is, because it then leads to those kind of breakdowns because nobody can sustain that. And as soon as you find out it is manipulative artificial, then you've got all the fallout from that. So what, here's the message that I've heard, and I'll, I'll just throw this out and you can comment on it. But the message I've heard the Mormon church tell its people is you need the church if you are going to feel fulfilled, um, satisfied, worthy, uh, because it's only through the church that you have everything God requires of you as a person, as a son or daughter of God. And so therefore, if you ever leave the church, your only hope for regaining anything you feel you've lost in terms of that sense of satisfaction or fulfillment or approval or whatever it is, is by coming back to the church, because that's the only place it's truly found. Yeah, it's a very human need to want to know what those rules are so that you might stay within them so that you might please, right? Here's, here's a story I used to tell in my diversity class. Do you know what cows do when you put them in a new pasture? The first thing they do is go and rub along the fence. They go and find every side of the fence so that they know where their pasture is and where they can go and where they can't go. People seem to want to know what the rules are, what the rules are, how to please. And this is the exact reason people join gangs. Um, Okay, sure. Because they want to know what the rules are and they want to know how to progress so that they might please. It's a very kind of human need. We don't always recognize it, but it is, but it's something to be really careful of because people can manipulate that need. Right. Right. Because, well, because boundaries do give us security. We even know that, you know, children need firm boundaries and children will test those boundaries. And, you know, my wife and I um, had eight kids, five of them were adopted, and we would have other at times adopted parents that would come and say, you know, I've, I've adopted this child, um, sometimes an older child like some of ours were, and it's like they buck every single rule I make. And what we mm-hmm. would tell them is, yes, what they're doing is they're testing the fences, they're testing right. the boundaries, and so they want to know that no matter how hard they hit that boundary, it's yes. solid. And once they, mm-hmm. so you have to stick to your guns. The worst thing you can do is if they hit the boundary, move it out because yeah. now they've got to test it again because exactly. it moved the last time. See, and I, I spent think- a lifetime working with kids with emotional <laughs> behavioral disorders. It's exactly the same thing. A lot of those kids in their past did not have those boundaries, did not have those rules or nobody, um, nobody saw to it you know, that they stayed within the boundaries. And so here they've got a new adult and they're constantly testing, testing, testing. And what they want is for you to stand firm. It doesn't look like it, but that is what they're, that's what they want because that brings for them security. So Lynn, here's, here's something that just popped into my head. And that's, so with, so within even our own society, 
there's been a continual breakdown of home and family life. Is there a chance, because you're the behavioral scientist study person here. So is there a chance that going into adulthood, these people take all these same needs with them, only now they're looking for something bigger than family to provide the boundaries. And a performance-based religion is really happy to provide lots of boundaries and hard and fast rules. And so are people like that, people who've maybe had uh, less than happy home life or dysfunctional background, are they maybe more open to the security and safety that a performance-based religion can offer to them? Or gangs or all kinds of organizations, right? That kind yeah. of fulfill that need. Yes. The other thing I'd say is folks who didn't have it in their growing up have to learn it in their adulthood. So sometimes okay. then yeah. in their 20s, they're doing drugs or they're stealing or they're and then they end up in jail. And, they, you know, by the time they're 40, they're like, OK, those were bad choices. These are good choices. <laughs> but because no one ever laid those boundaries for them early in life, they had to learn that on their own as adults rather than as children. Right. So, yeah, it is important that we have those boundaries, but those boundaries can be used by the people who have control <laughs> right. um, to manipulate as well. Yeah. And you have to be careful about that. So, um, so I guess the challenge, I think the challenge we face then is how do you keep a right balance between, because, you know, God in his word also has boundaries. It's not like we live mm -hmm. unbounded. In fact, it's been said that true spiritual freedom is when you submit yourself to God and now you're free to act within his realm of boundaries. That's where there's, you know, true freedom and true life to be found. So how do we bring this into a way that's practical? And one of the first questions that I wanted to ask the people that are struggling this was, what is it that you feel drawn to? In other words, what is it that you're drawn to within the performance-based religion or what are you drawn back to? And in listening to them, um, I came across actually like four, three or there were actually, no, actually there are three things that came out. So I guess what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna list them and let you pick whichever one you wanna talk about first. So, okay. so the three that came up and these are all natural and expected. They're not necessarily bad to be drawn to these things, mm -hmm. but the first was um, a desire for community. So just a desire to feel like I belong somewhere. Um, the second one was a desire for structure because structure gives us significance. That is, we have a sense of knowing what to do and how to do it. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is a desire for the familiar. So something that provides a sense of comfort or security. And I've likened it to like when you've got a favorite sweater or favorite sweatshirt or jacket or a favorite blanket or chair, it's like, no matter what, you know, you go back to that, no matter how old it is or how like ratty it gets, there's something familiar about it and it's just good. And so those, those three things are people that are people that are drawn back to that desire for community, the desire for structure and the desire for something familiar. And my sense is the Mormon church 
and other performance-based religions, but the Mormon church especially does a really good job providing those things. And I would expand on the first one, the desire for community and that feeling of belonging. I think it's a desire for family and a feeling of belonging within a functional family. So there are no perfect families. And so all the families that we all grew up in, there are things that we're lacking, right? And so when we go looking for a spouse, we're like, eh, I don't don't want that from my dad, but I <laughs> yes. probably want this from my mom. And, you know, I, so many people that go into Mormonism and then that are drawn back, I think that whole idea of perfect family yeah. Which is pretty funny because there are some pretty dysfunctional families in Mormonism. Oh, but, we've heard all sorts of stories. So, yeah. Right. And yet I don't think they recognize that what they came from is dysfunctional. Right. Because they haven't been they haven't been exposed to other things often. But True. but everybody seems to have this ideal vision. Right. Of this wonderful dad and mom and kids. And, well, for a um, long time, that was the staple LDS church commercial. I mean, yeah, the whole families have forever. I can't remember which decade it was, but when they first really launched a serious television PR campaign, that's what all the, all the commercials were about. They were all about families out in the yard, throwing a ball, the dog running through the sprinkler, mm. um, yeah. you know, and grandpa and grandma over for the cookout. And, and it was this appeal and it was this painting this picture of, Hey, if you join the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, this is what your family can look like too. Mm. And it's a, it is a huge draw. Yeah. I bought, I bought into it. (laughs) Absolutely. So that's community. So what about the, what about the structure component? This idea that I really want a sense of knowing what I have to do and how I have to do it. I think this is a major place where people leaving Mormonism and coming to Christianity feel uncomfortable. Oh, you hear the, the there's lightning and thunder out there. Oh, today. you got a storm coming through. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, folks like the structure, right? And then they come to Christianity and they have so many options of churches to go to, different ways to worship, different Bible studies. Different um, versions of the Bible now to choose from. Oh my gosh. And it's just too much. They run a run back where somebody just tells them what to do because that's what they're familiar with. And, And I'll take them to these places in the scriptures where it says, one hand is not the eye and not the foot, right? It, because God says he put variety in the body. There was a reason right. for all of that, and it was good. And yes, you could choose certain things. I like to help Mormons understand they always say Christians are arguing with each other and divisive. No, actually, those people that can worship in different ways all have the same God the same Jesus, the same way to salvation, the same Bible, the same word of God, right? And although there's diversity, there is great structure as well that God brought. 
but it's a much broader structure and there's so much freedom within that community. And it's interesting because it's, I'm right now I'm teaching an online course to a group of pastors and leaders in Uganda and Kenya. And we're talking about the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant Mm-hmm. and how you don't dare mix those two covenants. Now that we're in the new covenant age, you don't go back to the old covenant and start trying to bring old covenant laws and ordinances into your Christian life because I think right. it's the Apostle it Paul that Romans, writes, Don't be dragged back to bondage, right? That's what right. it says, literally, don't be dragged back to the old law. And for freedom, Christ has set us free. So there's this huge amount of freedom within the Holy Spirit. And so the whole idea behind the new covenant is, no, you're not being directed by these external rules and forces. There's an internal force and guidance of the spirit, and it's going to direct Christians differently. Not every Christian is going to be directed (laughs) by the Holy Spirit in the same direction. And sometimes um, that's really exciting. Yes. And sometimes I totally avoid it's like it. really frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even um, want to go to prayer and hear what the Holy Spirit might be trying to tell me, right? Yeah. So but, but it puts more onus on your own shoulders and not on the shoulders of others. So right. the community is no longer responsible for me. I'm responsible for my own relationship with God. And that is foreign to folks who have come from performance-based religion. And it can be hard if you, because if you've only been within the structure of the traditional Christian community, then that's just your norm. And so for somebody new coming in, that's mm-hmm. a whole huge step and. And that's why I'm I'm so glad for the people that listen to the podcast that listen because they want to help people that are in transition from performance-based religions um, because we want to help you help them. And this is a this is a key thing to understand about people who are transitioning out. They've had so much structure and they need help understanding what appears at sometimes to be, I think, a total lack of structure or boundaries within the Christian community. And like you said, it's just simply much broader. So, um, all right, I think we've got time to do one more uh, for this episode. So the last one was, of these two things, was this desire for the familiar. And I hear this Well, starting almost now, um, really more end of October, beginning of November, when the holidays start to roll around, especially Thanksgiving and Christmas, the family holidays that are traditional, Mm -hmm. people who've been in a performance-based religion really struggle at those times because, for one, the exit and the transition out has either estranged them from their families, cut them off entirely, or at least made it so there's this underlying tension when you do get together for the holidays with some people, they don't even get invited back home for the holidays once they leave. And that just creates a huge sense of loss around this time of year. So how do you, I guess, one recognize that navigate that? I mean, does this tie in with what you've experienced and with the people I know you've worked with? I think for one thing, Mormons are almost as um, connected to their extended families as they are to their own. So God says, when you get married, a man and a woman become one. 
why wouldn't you and your husband and your own children be enough to satisfy you on a holiday, right? You're, yeah. you're the family. There are extended families. The other thing that I, I deal with people leaving Mormonism, they see everything as biological, right? Oh, my mom, yeah. my dad, my cousins, my, and I tell them, you know, in the body of Christ, if your mom outcasts you for leaving Mormonism, God can bring you a mom, a wonderful mom who believes the scriptures and can give you godly advice, right? Um, I don't anymore think of family as only biological. I think of family as the people that God brings into my life, the people that are in my church and in my life that are believers, right? I have right. a sister that was a believer when I went into Mormonism. And now that I'm back in the Christian faith, she and I are so close. Uh, but I also have so people cool. who are not biological that right. I'm close to. And so that's a whole thing. Mormons need to open their mind, right? The fact that there's this big God who can kind of replace those relationships if they need to be replaced and they could be wonderful relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. And again, it doesn't mean that that sense of loss isn't there, but where we need to turn. And again, within this new covenant relationship with Jesus through the spirit, Jesus is saying, I now am your new focus yeah. for life. So yeah. now everything, I become the thing that you need. I need to be enough regardless of what else you lose. And so what I've tried to encourage even people within our own support group is to say, yes, this is hard. Yes, you feel these senses of loss, but let this drive you deeper into your relationship with Jesus. And not that you ignore it, not that you pretend it's not there, but you now have someone who is a friend, who is your savior, who is supernatural, to whom you can go with this and say, okay, Jesus, help me step into this, be my comfort, be my guide. And then you provide for these needs as you see fit within whatever community. But it can actually be a catalyst to drive us into greater intimacy, greater closeness with God. And I I love that you brought that up. I often recommend that people get a prayer journal. When I was a new believer and I was trying to navigate all of this, I got a prayer journal when I would go to my knees in the morning and literally write to God. Um, and oh, then cool. months down the road, <laughs> I could go and see, oh, wow, I prayed about this and he answered this. Oh, wow, God actually did something with that. It, it, it was good for me to see how my relationship with God was progressing, right? Right. No, that's that's an excellent idea. and. Any kind of journaling that keeps you connected with your like history with God. Because mm -hmm. I came across, what was it? I came across a prayer journal from like, I think just post-college days. So more than a couple of decades ago. <laughs> um, and it was just so cool because I, you know, in one column I had what the request was and I had it dated. And in the other column I had like when I got an answer. And it wasn't always a yes oh, answer. Sometimes it was a- I love that. And I went and I went, why did I ever stop? This is so cool. This is so encouraging. And again, it's kind of that tracking. And so, all right, something we'll throw in for free with this podcast. Encourage <laughs> you to do. And one thing I 
somebody I follow um, that's kind of a Christian podcast leader person, um, Kerry Newhoff, I'll, get him, I'll give him credit, Kerry Newhoff, um, talked about starting his own gratitude journal where he mm-hmm. makes himself have the discipline of just jotting down two or three things every day he's grateful for. And so I thought, I really need to do that. And so I've been trying to remember to do that and I don't do it every day, but just to have that and to make yourself focus on these are the important, you know, these are the important things. Well, I think we're almost at time and I'm looking down going, the next section is what is it that triggers the attraction? And so we're obviously going to need to do another episode. So next episode, people, we're going to continue on this. You know, why am I drawn to her? Why am I drawn back to performance-based religion? And so we're going to kick it off next week with what are some of the triggers that can actually make you vulnerable and move you into that? So grace and peace, Joel. This is a great (laughs) topic. Enjoying it. Until next time. See you, Lynn. Uh, Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We have an exciting announcement. Michael Wilder's new book, Passport to Heaven, is out. And for a donation of $20 or more to the podcast, we'll send it to you. It's the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the Micah's Book button to get yours. We appreciate your support of the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.